Inside Chicago Government. Welcome to another in a series of interviews with Ben Jarofsky. This is Dave Glowatz. Ben Jarofsky writes on government and politics for the Chicago Reader, and he's here with me today at the end of a rather stimulating week for those of us who who cover <laughs> yeah. the Chicago government beat, wouldn't you say? Very overstimulating. Yeah. I'm so stimulated, I think I need to go jogging or something. So the boss hog got roasted. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, was, I barely could pay attention to one of my favorite aldermen, when he was an alderman, the great William Beavers. Yes, he was convicted. Isn't that correct, Senator? He was. And let's see, and the schools are burning while the emperor fiddles away <laughs> on the slopes. Absolutely. Boneheaded PR moves of all time to uh, send the city in uproar, throw like tens of thousands of lives upside down, you know, parents, teachers, students, principals, and, and have your factotum make the announcement while you're skiing, skiing vacation yeah. in Utah. It's really... At best, uh, insensitive. I don't, I, I don't even know what it is. Cowardly? Cowardly, yeah. Insensitive, cruel. Let's come back to that. But meanwhile, we're talking today about your article that appeared in The Reader on March 22nd, 2013. In the print edition, it's titled, Chicago Public Schools Officials Offer a Lesson in Confiscating Books. And online, it's called, The Emanuel Administration Kicks Persepolis Out of Class. This article describes how the Chicago Public Schools, or CPS, administration ordered the removal of the autobiographical graphic novel Persepolis from Chicago classrooms and school libraries, an order which it partially walked back days later. This book shows a young woman growing up under oppressive conditions in Iran. When did you read Persepolis? It was several years ago. It was already out in paperback. I want to say it was about 2005. My memory is that my youngest daughter was still in grammar school, and the book had a big impact on my daughters in particular. But you brought it to them or they brought it to you? As is usually the case with books, I heard about it, and I went and bought it for them, thought it might be a good book for them to read. I bought it at a local bookstore, and uh, it was a big hit in the house. Everybody read it except the dog. How old were your daughters? I'm almost positive that at the time, my youngest daughter would have been in about seventh or eighth grade, and she liked it the most. I mean, they, everybody liked it, but it was just, oh, it's just a great coming-of-age book, and it's a graphic novel. So for our older readers who don't know what a graphic novel is, it's sort of like a grown-up comic book. Really great graphic novels, if I may make a literary observation, distill the essence of a story so that the writing is so concise, the dialogue is so neat and effective and powerful, and then the pictures, the illustrations themselves sort of dramatize. So this book was, again, very popular in a house, and we saw the movie. That was part of my shock that I could not believe. I mean, I, I shouldn't say I could not believe because anything, you know, I've learned to accept anything that happened in Chicago, but I was really surprised that this book would initiate the sort of response that it did by the Board of Ed, particularly since the Board of Ed had already come to the conclusion that it was appropriate literature for seventh graders. We've come back to that. You hook your article on how CPS's Persepolis Purge unfolded <laughs> at Lane Tech High School on the north side. Yes. But Persepolis was actually recommended by CPS to its seventh grade teachers in its seventh grade curriculum map which I happen to have <laughs> right here. i got to give you credit, man. <laughs> I'd like extra credit for reading yes. Persepolis. So this is what's distributed to 7th grade teachers under what's called the 7th grade CPS Literacy Planning Guide. And the Literacy Planning Guide 
is this table here that shows for each quarter of the year what sort of analysis students should be making of literature and what the objectives of that analysis are, whether it's to put together an argument that argues for a premise in the book or to simply inform about the book. Those are generally, as I understand it, the two objectives they try to achieve. And then they actually have a list of the books that they would like teachers to use. And I'll just read some of them here very quickly. The House on Mango Street, Bad Boy, Hole in My Life, Monster. Monster, yeah. And Persepolis. Yeah. Many of those books have also passed through my house. So I'm, I'm in tune with the Board of Education. Or you read at a seventh grade level, one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's for seventh grade. What's the youngest age you would let one of your daughters read that book, Persepolis? Persepolis? Yeah. I can't think of an age cutoff. I mean, if they could read, it would be okay. Yeah. I mean, um, in a lot of ways, it's dealing with difficult issues. It's sort of a painful book in many ways. Uh, It's a coming of age story. And so all the torment that an adolescent feels, in this case, as she grows older, is exacerbated by the horror of the regime in Iran. And then she moves to France and then her life is turned upside down as um, she deals with that culture, and then she goes back to Iran. There's a lot going on in that book, and there's a certain level of just sophistication that a kid has to have to understand what's going on and comprehend it. If a kid in fifth grade is able to deal with it, then good for her, good for him. You know, it's sort of like Catcher in the Rye, which was a controversial book five billion years ago. I remember reading that when I was in seventh grade. Seems like that's the magical year, and I just thought it was the world's greatest book. My attitude about great books, great literature, novels, poems, whatever, if you shouldn't keep them from kids because you're trying to protect the kids from complicated, painful ideas and realities. In fact, you should encourage them to read them when they're ready to read them, when, you know, when they're able to comprehend them, just get through the language, that kind of thing. What about motion picture restrictions for age? How do you feel about that? It's very subjective. There's some movies I think are so bad, they're so stupid, that it's like a corruptive, a corrosive impact on a person's brain. And actually, there's some books that way, too. But I'm not naive. I'm not dumb. I mean, kids get access to this stuff. So instead of saying, you can't watch that, I feel the way I would do it is go about, well, don't you think that's crap? Or what do you think about that? Or let's let's have a discussion of this movie. And the chances are, if I think it's crap, a kid I'm talking to may like it a lot and we'll have a debate and discussion and maybe I could plant a seed in their head about a different perspective or what have you. I'm just not big on this. You can't watch this. There's stuff that I think I wouldn't want to subject my kids to watching, so I wouldn't show it to them. But, you know, they're going out into a big world and there's a lot of stuff out there. So I came up with that motion picture thing just off the top of my head. And now as we talk about it, it seems to me that the difference between motion pictures and books is you don't often see child ratings for books. And there might be a trashy book that has gratuitous sex and violence, but it wouldn't appear probably on a recommended reading list for a school, nor would you as a parent bring it into the house. Well, yeah. And the difference is now we're getting back to a school putting its imprint of approval on a book. In the case of Persepolis, what has happened is that the people who think about these things, you know, the people who design literature curriculum have read it and absorbed it and have come to the conclusion, as did I, that it's a really important, significant book that seventh graders ought to be reading, particularly really intelligent seventh graders. Uh, any seventh grader, actually, but uh, any well-reading, good-reading seventh graders, if there's such a word. You know, for the Board of Ed, the CPS to just, on the basis, as I understand it, on one panel or one page of panels of 
of again these are illustrations for them to react the way they did it, it just undercuts the whole system that they've set up where experts or people who've spent their life thinking about these things are just undermined when it comes to their decisions so that's a lot different than what a parent chooses to show with a kid this is sort of the standard you know acceptable book for seventh graders in fact the delightful ironies one of the uh, bloggers mike klonsky pointed out that it's on the reading list at the university of chicago lab school for seventh graders which is where the mayor's children go it's on the reading list at schools in uh, the new Trier school district where the mayor himself went i would go so far as to say that if you really want to sort of have a well-rounded education coming out of uh, Chicago public schools, you should read this book. I think it's the kind of book that you would want your child to read because it exposes your son or daughter to different cultures and different experiences. It's interesting. There's a reason why the University of Chicago Lab School has it on their curriculum. Let me pose to you the too-dumb-to-be-real theory. <laughs> and this goes that CPS threw out this blatantly boneheaded move, sure to create a firestorm, to deflect attention from what just followed it, which we just saw, the announcement of the 70-odd school actions, I'm using air quotes here, which happened yesterday. What do you think of that theory? Well, okay, I've been um, subjected to many conspiracy theories regarding both the banning of Persepolis or the purging of Persepolis. It's a whole debate whether it was actually banned or not. And the school closings. Even though I am very, in general, skeptical of what our government does and why they say they do it, I have not heard a great conspiracy theory on either front. Yours, I don't put much stock in it. First of all, if that was their purpose, if their purpose was to do something really stupid to uh, divert attention for something even stupider that they were about to do, it didn't really work. Uh, I think everybody's pretty much forgotten Persepolis at the moment as they're enraged over school closing, or in some cases, they're doubly enraged because they're still smarting over Persepolis. So if it was intended to divert attention from school closings, it, it was a colossal failure. I think this is a classic case, and I've seen it down through the years since I moved to Chicago and started following the Board of Ed, of just instinctive overreaction by powerful administrators who gotten used to the fact that their wish is their command. I saw it happen uh, with Paul Vallis in the late 1990s, I want to say, with a book called Coffee Will Make You Black. In that case, it was only being taught at, I believe, one school in the South Side by a teacher in a long, convoluted way. Uh, came to the attention of some fundamentalist preachers uh, that this book that talked about um, a girl realizing that she was a lesbian was being taught uh, in the public schools, and that was turned into as though the schools were endorsing becoming a lesbian, and the fundamentalists freaked out, and Paul Vallis yanked the book. So this is not the first time this has happened. Now, Persepolis is one of the most highly regarded graphic novels of the last 10 years, that's what makes it so unthinkable that a city as supposedly civilized as Chicago would just yank it right out of the classroom. So I think this is actually a more dramatic case of overreaction than what Vallis did. The CEO, we don't call her superintendent like we did her predecessor for some reason. The CEO of Chicago Public Schools, Barbara Bird Bennett, issued a March 15th memo to principals that states, quote, if your seventh grade teachers have not yet taught this book, Please ask them not to do so and to remove any copies from their classrooms, end quote. It seems to me like teachers, according to this wording, have an out. They have to avoid the book only if they haven't already taught it. 
So have you encountered any who say that they kept using the book on the basis that they already had? No. Well, first of all, now we're, we're interpreting the language, which, which I'm sure was written by lawyers and then rewritten by publicists. But not proofread, evidently. I'm guessing that what she was saying is like, it's all right, it's too late to unteach the book. The train has left the station. Right. So, you know, there's nothing we could do about that. But don't teach it again to other kids, you know, like next year's kids. If it's on your list of things to teach to this class, don't teach it. They'll be reissuing the seventh grade curriculum map, I think. Yes. Yeah, so I don't know what they'll add to it to uh, replace Persepolis, but I'm really curious if Mayor Emanuel, when he returns from his skiing vacation, will revisit this policy because I think what happened here is that there was an overreaction by Barbara Bird Bennett. It was a huge embarrassment. And instead of saying, you know what, we blew it, my bad, let's just forget the whole thing happened, they tried to save face and make it seem as though there was a justification to what they did and a larger purpose to it all. And now they're stuck in sort of limbo where um, they're sort of banning the book, but they're not really banning the book. And it's acceptable in some cases, but not in other cases. Just not at seventh grade level is where they've come down. They've also stated, uh, I don't have the, the full quote in front of me. Now you have it in front of you. Let me read it. Wait, no, this is... Oh, yeah, we've also considered whether the book should be included after appropriate teacher training in the curriculum of 8th through 10th graders. My point is they've already decided that for 7th grade, forget it. Yeah. And then 8th through 10th, maybe. Right. What they're saying is that the policy on Persepolis is in flux. Wait for us for future memos. After this other crap storm blows over. So, right. Wait till the whole thing blows over and then do whatever you want. But definitely don't teach it to 7th graders. Yeah, there's going to be a lot more they're preoccupied with right now yeah. than this. When did you download this? On Thursday. The 22nd. Oh, yeah. Here we go. This is the other part. Uh, we have determined Persepolis may be appropriate for junior and senior students and those in advanced placement classes. We've determined that it may be appropriate. Okay. So there, you know, instead of saying it definitively is appropriate, it may be. Due to the powerful images of torture in a book, I've asked our Office of Teaching and Learning, this is the part I really enjoyed, to develop professional development guidelines so that teachers can be trained to present this strong but important content. In other words, are you saying that they cannot teach the book to seniors and juniors until they've been trained? They have the development guidelines that someone is going to prepare. As I said at the end, someone's going to get a contract out of this. Mm. Or are they free to teach it while waiting for even more help? and assistance. And why are you undermining what your professional developers and training people came up with before? They've already read the book and thought it was appropriate for seventh graders and came out with guidelines to help you, as, as you just alluded to. Because somebody complained. Somebody complained. So it's sort of all over the map. It's not clear. And what I was suggesting is that maybe Mayor Rahm Emanuel, who returns from his skiing vacation, might want to just say, let's put all this behind us and let's go back to where we were and allow Persepolis to be taught to seventh graders in Chicago's public schools like they're taught to seventh graders at the finest private schools in the city of Chicago. I have a feeling that of the questions posed to the mayor upon his return, that one will not be at the head of the list. No. Had he not had his uh, aides order the closing of 60-some schools, it's hard to even understand because it's 54 is the one number that pops out of my mind. There's programs that have been closed. Okay. Had he not ordered the closing of 54 schools, he probably would have been asked very quickly upon his return about Persepolis. But you're right. Maybe what he did was <laughs> closed all the schools to cover up the Persepolis thing as opposed to the other <laughs> way around. I mean, as long as we're throwing out right. bizarre theories, he goes, 
you know what, boss? Here's what we should do. <laughs> We're getting so much grief about this Persepolis thing. Let's just close 54 schools, and everybody will forget Persepolis. We'll be posting that on conspiracy.org tomorrow, <laughs> and I'm sure we'll be talking more about school closing. Yes, we most definitely will. Ben, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, sir. Listeners, we welcome your questions and comments. You can post those to Facebook or Twitter. Search for Inside Chicago Government. Email us via contact at shygov.com, and you can subscribe to one of our audio or print feeds on your web at shygov.com. This is Dave Glowetz. Thanks for listening.